morning and welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. We continue again and jumping back into the book of Joshua. If you've got the Word of God with you, I'd invite you to Joshua chapter 22. And you can find that in your paper Bibles. You can find that on your smartphone, on your tablet, all kinds of ways to access the Word of God. We want to invite you, though the year continues to, uh, to progress Stay faithful to the Word of God on a regular basis, on a daily basis. Uh, There's still Bible reading guides out there in the foyer, and we'd invite you to uh, get plugged in, get connected to God's Word. Uh, There's ways that you can get into the Word of God on a regular basis through email, uh, through apps, and uh, we'll definitely love to help you with that. But God's Word is living, it's alive, it's active, and as we are going through step-by-step here through the book of Joshua Uh, We've been seeing this process of the Israelites. God had rescued them from Egypt. God was now bringing them into this promised land and helped them to cross the Jordan, helped them to conquer Jericho, and then they dealt with Ai, and they dealt with the Gibeonites, and then they took on all forms of surrounding kings and foreign lands, and then the dividing up of the lands into each of the 12 tribes. And we saw in the last week... The last couple of chapters, how they divided up and and gave cities of refuge that those who had accidentally killed someone, they might have refuge and strength and protection. That was in chapter 20. Chapter 21, looking at the Levite towns and how they were divided up and placed around uh, the promised land. And we saw that God had this plan in place to be able to share and that the Levites, uh, who were the priests, would be able to teach and proclaim God's word that there would not be anybody very far from a Levite town to be able to hear and see God's word being preached and proclaimed. So that brings us to chapter 22, and we're going to look at the first portion of chapter 22. Next week, we will finish the rest of chapter 22. So the topic this morning is a description of faithfulness, a description of faithfulness. We're going to look at several different categories here of faithfulness from Joshua chapter 22. So jumping right in, first of all, what we're going to see is that faithfulness is recognized. So join with me as we look at the first several verses of Joshua chapter 22. It says, Then Joshua summoned the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and said to them, You have done all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded, and you have obeyed me in everything I commanded. For a long time now, to this very day, you have not deserted your fellow Israelites, but have carried out the mission the Lord your God gave you. Stop right there and see that as it relates to faithfulness, faithfulness indeed is recognized. We see here with Joshua, and he's summoning these two and a half tribes. So if you've been with us here for a while as we've we've been going through and progressing through the book of Joshua, we saw that these two and a half tribes, the tribe of Reuben, Gad, and half of the tribe of Manasseh, they saw land that was on the eastern side of the Jordan River, and they saw that this would be great for their, their livestock, for their land, and so they requested that this land on the east side of the Jordan be given to them. Well, God was going to bring them in to cross the Jordan. God was going to bring them into the promised land. But the Lord, through Moses, allowed them to have that as their land. 
But the instructions were given, and we saw that even in the very first chapter of Joshua, 16, 17, and 18, the verses there, the instruction was, yes, you can have this land east of the Jordan, but you must help the rest of these tribes of Israel to go in and conquer the land that God was giving. And so you do that, you help the rest of these tribes, you know, as a whole, we're going to go in together, we're going to conquer what God is bringing our way. So you cross the Jordan, come into the promised land, and help them conquer this land. And then, yes, you will receive the land over here east of the Jordan. And so they've done just that. And so all the way through Joshua, they left that land behind, they crossed the Jordan, they helped as they conquered Jericho and God through his power did all of these mighty miracles, all of uh, conquering all of these lands. And now the land had been divided, cities of refuge had been distributed, Levite towns had been distributed. And now in chapter 22, Joshua is giving a description of faithfulness saying, I want to recognize you for the faithfulness you have exhibited. And he commends them for their faithfulness in four areas. Did you catch it? First of all, he says, you've done all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded. So Moses was a man of God. Moses was the leader. And you've done what Moses has said. Then he says, you have obeyed me in everything I commanded. Joshua is the leader that took over following Moses. And so they've obeyed what Moses said. Now as Joshua has led them into the promised land and God was guiding them, they've done everything that Joshua has said. And then it says, verse 3, For a long time now, to this very day, you've not deserted your fellow Israelites. That's faithfulness. He says, for a long time, up until even this very day, you've been faithful to these other tribes. Now think about that. They're over here on the, the eastern edge of the Jordan River, and they're saying, we kind of like this land here on the east. But the instruction was, you help the rest of the tribes of Israel as they cross the Jordan, and as they cross over onto the western portion of that. And so they did that. Scholars would point to this and say this is about five to seven years' worth of work. You know, sometimes uh, for you and I, as we read through the Word of God, I mean, maybe it takes you a handful of days, maybe over the course of, uh, of a month if you're reading uh, a chapter every day. Oh, we, we read through the book of Joshua and we think it's just kind of snappy. As we take a look, and, and particularly there was clues there, when we took a look at Caleb, and he described about his age, but this is about a seven-year process from the time when they crossed the Jordan River, God used them to conquer the lands until now. Seven years of faithfulness, leaving the land you've requested to cross the Jordan and help the rest of your tribes, help the rest of this Israelite kingdom achieve what God had for them. So you've spent seven years of your life helping somebody else to receive something that you're not going to have a part in because you're helping them in the land here on the western portion of the Jordan 
And then you're going to cross back over the Jordan River. This is our imaginary Jordan if you haven't gotten it yet. Okay? I'm wet. I'm in the Jordan. Okay. So they're going to leave the, the rest, the nine and a half tribes behind, cross the Jordan, and then head back into their land. So they've invested seven years of their lives helping these other nine and a half tribes faithfully day after day after day. That faithfulness is being recognized here. So they were faithful to Moses and his instructions. They were faithful to Joshua and his instructions. It says they were faithful. They didn't desert the Israelites, their fellow Israelites. They probably could have, maybe wanted to. If, if you were someone who said, okay, this is yours, but now help somebody else with theirs. When times got tough, you're probably thinking, I would love to just go back to my land, my property that's been designated and given to us. I mean, this is some hard stuff. But they were faithful even to that very day, and they did not desert their fellow Israelites. And then finally he says, you've carried out the mission the Lord your God gave you. They're on a mission from God. There are instructions there through Moses, instructions there through Joshua, but ultimately, these tribes were faithful to God. I want to encourage you with the fact that God sees, God recognizes faithfulness. Sometimes the challenge for you and I as, as humans is sometimes we're only faithful if we're certain to be seen. If we know that we're going to be rather upfront and someone's going to see what we do, it might be a little easier to be faithful. But how many of you know there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that take place day after day, week after week? And sometimes the challenge is, well, what if, I, what if I'm faithful to help out behind the scenes? What if I'm not quite as recognized as somebody in front of the scenes? I want you to understand, faithfulness is recognized, and at the very least, we know that God sees what we do in our hearts and in our lives in faithfulness to Him. There's a lot of times behind the scenes stuff we try to encourage, we try to you know, thank many times in some of our, our, our big outreaches and big events. We'll try to give a kind of a general thank you. There's not a, a time enough to say and describe what each and every one did for each and every event. Many times we try to share faithfulness, we try to recognize but I want you to understand whether mankind understands or mankind recognizes each and every moment or minute or hour of the behind the scenes or the upfront work, faithfulness is recognized. Sometimes we think, well, if I'm not going to get credit, if someone's not going to know that I helped, well, then maybe I just won't help. I want to encourage us to continue to be faithful to the Lord, to be faithful in ministry, knowing that faithfulness is recognized. God sees all that we do. And even though we don't always understand or we don't always see the faithfulness, the time spent, the hours invested, God 
sees. God will recognize faithfulness. Let us strive to be faithful. So faithfulness is recognized. Joshua does a great job of that in these first several verses. In the next number of verses, understand that faithfulness is also required. Verses 4 and 5, it says, Now that the Lord your God has given them rest, as he promised, return to your homes in the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. So they're over here on the western side of the Jordan. They're with all the rest of the tribes. He's saying, God's given these tribes rest. You can return back over the Jordan to the side that's been promised to you. Verse 5, but be very careful to keep the commandment and the law that Moses the servant of the Lord gave you. Now, that's going to play a part as we look next week at the rest of this chapter. But the encouragement was, listen, you've got nine and a half tribes that are here on the west side of the Jordan. The Jordan River is a pretty large dividing line. It's not like my makeshift Jordan that I just hop back and forth on this morning. I mean, this is a literal river in some places, multiple miles wide with mountains on either side. This, once they cross over and once they get back into their portion of the land, these tribes are going to be a little bit split geographically. And so Joshua's challenge to them is this. Be careful. Keep the commandment. Keep the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. Stay, stay fast and stay true to God and to his word. You see, we're to make this commitment to God, and we're to keep our commitment to God. Faithfulness. Not just making that decision, not just making that that commitment to ask God into our hearts and into our lives, but faithfully staying true to Him. We can't neglect that relationship with God. Now, is it easy? Is it a piece of cake? It takes effort. It takes investment, right? Look at friendships. Look at marriage relationships. It takes investing time and energy and effort. Getting to know and and getting to hang out with a, a good friend. Continuing in that marriage relationship. It's more than just getting to know a first name and and a saying I do. There's a lot beyond the wedding day. And so our relationship with God, it takes time, it takes investment, and I invite us to stay faithful to the Lord. Now check out these five verbs that are used in the the latter portion here of verse 5. Joshua is saying, be careful to keep the commandment and keep the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. And here's what it says. To love the Lord your God, there's number one. To walk in obedience with Him, there's number two. To keep His commands, there's number three. To hold fast, some versions might say cling, so we'll say cling to Him, number four. And to serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul, number five. Love, walk, keep, cling, serve. Boy, they're all just a a handful of letters. 
And it seems so short and so simple, but those five things can be a challenge for us, right? It says to love the Lord your God. Sometimes we toss that word love around a lot. Man, I love sweet corn. Some of you have been saying that. You, you can't wait for our cookout here, picnic, right, right after our morning service. Boy, I love baked potatoes. I love pizza. I love ice cream. Now I'm just getting you hungry, right? I love football. Whatever the case is, we toss this word around and we say love a lot. But he's saying love the Lord your God. It's a matter of our heart. It's a relationship with him. It's a little bit more than just kind of sort of liking a food or having a favorite sports team. I mean, this is a, a relationship loving God personally. Hold on to that relationship by loving him. Cultivate, develop that love. Cultivate and develop that relationship with God. Simply because you're leaving this area of the other nine and a half tribes and you're crossing the Jordan back to that area that's been designated and given to you doesn't mean you set aside the relationship with God. Continue to love the Lord your God. And he says, walk in obedience to him. That word walk, it's, it's a good verb. It's an action verb. Something good for us to do. They say about 10,000 steps a day. Somewhere, little things that kind of remind us how many steps we've taken. But it's, it's this forward progress that we're walking and we're moving. It says, walk in obedience. It's a process. Certainly there's an instantaneous process of obedience where we say, God, I'm coming to you. Cleanse me. Forgive me. But after we've prayed that prayer, after we've invited in into our hearts, there's that day-to-day living it out and walking out our obedience. God changes us instantaneously in salvation and forgiveness. And then day-to-day we're saying, God, I want to continue to walk. One step, one foot in front of the other, little by little, walking in obedience, walking in faithfulness. So it's, it's developing that heart of love for God, that relationship with Him, and then walking in obedience to Him. Then he says, to keep His commands. But where do we find His commands? The Word of God. If we want to keep His commands, we need to know what those commands are. I mean, it's one of those things like, have you ever gotten a, a ticket for something? He said, well, I didn't even know what, the, I didn't even know you could get a ticket for that. We didn't know what maybe that law was or what that rule was. I got a ticket a few months ago, downtown Lima. We had a, we had a minister's meeting and we, we did lunch at one of the restaurants downtown. And before we went, they were saying, well, make sure that you, you know, park in the right spot. And if there's a, you know, little meters or what, make sure you put, put money in the meters. Well, there was basically a car on, on one side that was kind of over, and so I, I had to pull in really, really carefully just to fit into the, uh, the parking slot. Went and had lunch and came back out, had a ticket on my window. And it said, 
I received a ticket for taking up two parking spots. And I look, and my back wheel was literally four to five inches past the line. And that was because the other car next to me was over and on my side. Now, I didn't know you could get a ticket for four to five inches past the line. I said, well, I sure hope the guy on my right got a ticket too. Big whopping $7 ticket, but we talk about, well, I didn't know. We've got to get into God's word to know what God's word says, know how to grow, know how to walk in obedience, and then know how to keep the commands that he's given us in his word. Do we have that heart to dig in, to read, to study, to learn, and then to follow through with God's word? Then there's hold fast or cling to him, to cling to God. Do we sometimes let go rather easily? I mean, You've had times maybe uh, you had a, a child or a grandchild and uh, you, you're carrying them or you're holding them and at, at sometimes when things get a little scary, you know, they kind of dig into you. I mean, they literally, you know, strangle you if they're holding onto your hand or, I mean, they are holding tight. They are holding fast. They are clinging because they find safety and security in you as a parent or a grandparent. And sometimes if we get a little bit... Uh, lackadaisical, a, a little bit kind of whatever we think, well, I don't really need mom or dad. I got this. And then we kind of, we don't hold on. We don't cling. We kind of want that space to go do our own thing. Does that describe our walk with God? Are we holding fast? Are we clinging to him, to his heart, to his commands, to what he desires? Or have we kind of let go and drifted our own way and our own desire. The instruction to these tribes was that they were to hold on, cling. And then finally, to serve him with all of your heart and all of your soul. A willingness to serve with everything within you. Even if it's maybe not the most convenient, even if it's not something that's the easiest, but to say, God, I'm ready, I'm willing, here I am, I am here to serve you. One of the uh, early opportunities of ministry helped illustrate that for me. I, I certainly had good opportunities through my dad being a pastor and, and helping out in the church and, and various types of churches that dad pastored. Certainly saw some of those other things we talked about earlier in, in the faithfulness that there's a, a lot of things behind the scenes that's not always seen. But I went to Bible college in, in Springfield, Missouri, and I, I interned, did my internship at a, a very large church there, James River. They're probably uh, 10 to 12,000 right now. I think when I was attending, there were maybe two or three or four. Uh, and when I interned, they, they had this, this sheet, this form for interns, and you were to kind of read through and describe all the things that you were to do. And they were basically wanting to teach servanthood. So we were to be in, in all these different areas. Uh, I helped out uh, one week in the nursery. That was interesting. Big church means lots of kids, so lots of kids in the nursery. Uh, helped out in Royal Rangers on a Wednesday night. Uh, they put me in missionettes on a Wednesday night. Uh, I was in the... Um, uh, 
the rainbows, though, so it was the boys and girls. But all these different areas, just to kind of get this heart of servanthood to reaching people and to minister to people. A part of those requirements uh, was cleaning bathrooms, vacuuming floors, uh, duplicating CDs and tapes, uh, running photocopies for the secretaries. And in this agreement, now they, they did not personally ask me to do it, but it was in this agreement of internship was saying that I was to be willing to sweep the parking lot. Now, just stop and think. We've got a pretty decent-sized parking lot. If you were to sweep that with a broom, we've got less than 60 parking slots. Imagine a church, again, at that time, only running two to three to 4,000, what their parking lots were like. Now, they did not ask me to go out there with a broom and literally sweep, but it was in there as an illustration to say, be ready to serve. You know, as an intern, I was not on the, the platform. Pastor John didn't say, hey, uh, we haven't got an intern who's going to speak here today. It simply was, get ready. Whatever we have for you, be ready to serve. I don't know what God might have for you, but be ready to serve and be ready to serve with everything that is within you, all of your heart, all of your soul. Again, these instructions, Joshua to these tribes, they're leaving the majority. Nine and a half tribes would be left here. The two and a half are crossing the Jordan back to their lands. Joshua wants to give them these final instructions. So he's saying, love, walk, keep, cling, and serve. The challenge is, he says, be faithful at all times. Faithfulness is required. In good times, as well as bad times. In tough times, as well as easy. And sometimes one or the other tends to be easier. For many people, it's in the tough times. When tough times come, it kind of drives us to our knees, and it drives us to prayer, and it drives us to, to get closer to God. And then when things go well, it's almost as if we feel we don't need God. Encouragement is faithfulness is required when times are tough as well as when times are easier. Don't ease up. Stay strong. Stay faithful to the Lord. Many times we want God to listen to us. And we're calling out. And we're crying out. We're saying, God, would you hear me? Are we faithful to hear God? Are we faithfully putting ourselves in a position to get into his word and to hear from him and to hear his voice? Don't relax to say, we've made it. These two and a half tribes, they could have eased up thinking, we finally are going to get this land that's been given to us. Joshua's saying, don't ease up feeling like you've made it. Stay focused. Stay faithful to God. I'd encourage us. Don't ever feel like we have arrived spiritually. Maybe we've been a Christian for a number of years, and, and maybe for some it's a matter of decades, and we say, God's been faithful, and, and I've served him for many, many years. That's great, but that's no, no time to ease up. Stay strong, stay committed, and stay faithful to the Lord. 
So faithfulness is recognized. Faithfulness is required. Finally, this morning, these last several verses of our passage, I want to let you know that faithfulness is rewarded. Verses 6 through 9 says this, Then Joshua blessed them and sent them away, and they went to their homes. To the half-tribe of Manasseh, Moses had given land in Bashan. And to the other half of the tribe, Joshua gave land on the west side of the Jordan, along with their fellow Israelites. When Joshua sent them home, he blessed them, saying, Return to your homes with your great wealth, with large herds of livestock, with silver, gold, bronze, and iron, and a great quantity of clothing, and divide the plunder from your enemies with your fellow Israelites. So the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh left the Israelites at Shiloh and Canaan to return to Gilead, their own land, which they had acquired in accordance with the command of the Lord through Moses. So four decently lengthy verses basically saying Joshua blessed them abundantly as they were sent on their way. They received the land that had been promised, but they were sent on their way with many blessings. They were blessed in in a number of areas. They returned home with great wealth. First of all, they were blessed in livestock, Massive amounts of animals, and that was one of the reasons why they had requested that land that would be good for them, returning uh, returning with a great number of animals. Precious metals, gold, silver, bronze, and iron. They were returning with a lot of goods in that area. Clothing, great amount of clothing, plunder, various assorted things that uh, they received as they conquered these other lands. And they were to then divide it with their fellow Israelites. This was not just, okay, we're sending you back to your home, and once you get there, you'll figure it out. They received what had been promised to them. But in addition to that, they were blessed. I believe as we are faithful to the Lord, we will receive blessings. And we've got to be careful. Because as soon as we start talking blessings, uh, our mind, we're real, real good at coming up with all kinds of blessings, coming up with all kinds of hints at how God could bless us, right? Well, God, if you're having any, uh, any questions, you know, if, if you're drawing a blank, God, I got a few things to toss your way. And many times we say, you know, financial blessings, God, would you meet this need? Would you buy this? Would you pay this? Would you do this? Would you do that? God can. And God does. God provides financially in many ways. God supplies needs that we have no means of taking care of ourselves. God does do that. But we've got to be careful that we don't just hold on to financial blessings as the only way that God can bless me. God can and will supply needs and meet needs. But financial is is one of the many blessings There's physical blessings. Many of you perhaps have experienced healing touch from God upon your body, maybe some supernatural miracle, down to something simple as having a headache and praying and God removes the headache. God can heal. God can touch our bodies. There's physical needs. There's financial needs. There's spiritual needs. The mere fact that we're able to be cleansed and forgiven our sins, 
and, and grow in him spiritually, God blesses. Relationally, emotionally, God blesses in a variety of ways, just as they were blessed in a variety of ways. I believe that God desires to honor faithfulness. But it doesn't mean it's going to be the same with every person. It doesn't mean it's going to be the same every single time. But I believe in that principle. Yes, faithfulness will be recognized. Maybe not 100% by those that we are around. God sees the faithfulness of our lives and will recognize that. Faithfulness is sought. Faithfulness is required. More than just checking the the list, more than just checking off a box, more than just a matter of faithful, is it a heart of godliness to say, I'm going to develop into what God desires me to be. Faithfulness, it's recognized, it's required, and faithfulness will be rewarded. Rewarded. 